1973, Trident Seafoods was founded by Chuck Bundren with the vision to combine talented people, lasting relationships, and quality seafood from the source to the plate. We appreciate you joining us as we unveil chapters from Catching a Deckload of Dreams, the story of Chuck Bundren and Trident Seafoods. These stories are told by those who pioneered the fisheries, bucked the political tides, built the Alaska seafood industry, and literally risked their lives to do it. This week, we will hear from Chuck Sanjo, Trident's current CEO, as he reads the mission and the foreword from the book. We hope this leaves you inspired to catch your own deck load of dreams. Trident fishermen are not dependent on us. We are dependent on them. Trident fishermen are neither outsiders to our business nor an interruption to our work. They are an integral part and the purpose of it. Our growth and success is directly contingent upon the spirit of mutual respect, trust, and the economic vitality of our fleets. Catching a Deckload of Dreams, The Forward by Joe Bundred. When people ask about Trident Seafoods, many of them wonder how many millions of metric tons of fish we catch each year or how many millions of dollars we post in sales. Those are the numbers. But the real story of Trident is the story of Trident's people. It's the story of their hard work and their adventures they've shared with my father over these past 40 years. My dad is a dreamer. Though he had no formal business education, he built this company on a solid business footing, one that acknowledged risk but trumped it with innovation. His work ethic is legendary, so is his integrity. He's the first one up in the morning, the first one to grab the heaviest bag, the first one to come to the aid of a friend in need. That's how he built so many strong, long-term friendships in partnerships with fishermen, employees, suppliers, and customers. And those relationships are the cornerstones of Trident's success. You might call him lucky, but my dad considers himself blessed. Blessed to have kept the company with the very best people in the industry. He truly cherishes his people. He listens to their dreams, motivates them by example, and rewards their hard work and loyalty. He's humble, but he's always hungry. He recognizes opportunity and grabs it when he sees it, driving good ideas forward with the help of those he trusts. He rarely refers to the people of Triton as employees or colleagues or representatives. He thinks of them as family, the Triton family. There's been a lot of tough love in this family, but the rewards have been many. In the past 40 years of Triton's existence, my dad has never paid a dividend to himself or his partners. Instead, he has reinvested every penny back into the company for the benefit of all its stakeholders. His devotion to the success of Trident stakeholders, its fishermen, employees, customers, suppliers, and the communities where we operate is unique. In 2011, my dad was asked to give the keynote speech at the Groundfish Forum in Barcelona, Spain. The meeting is an annual gathering of the world's leading groundfish harvesters and buyers. As the event grew near, he realized he would be unable to attend. To fulfill his obligation, he videotaped the first half of the speech and asked me to deliver the second half in person. It was truly an honor to help him speak that day, and I will never forget the message he shared as he credited Trident's people for Trident's success 14 separate times 
in an eight-minute speech. It was a lesson about the value of good people, a warning to the global industry about the pitfalls of heavily leveraged buyouts and short-term thinking that focuses entirely on balance sheets and discounts the value of loyalty, creativity, and teamwork. My father has never been one to boast about something he's planning to do, someday. Instead, he lets his actions speak for themselves. One of the first lessons I learned from him was about trust and integrity. He always told me, your word is your bond. He illustrated that for me in 1979, the first year we processed salmon in Bristol Bay. I was a 13-year-old and spending my first summer in Alaska working with my dad aboard the Bountiful. My dad and his partner, Uncle Ed, Perry, had talked a handful of fishermen into fishing for Triton. We were the upstarts, the new buyers in the bay. What reason did a fisherman have to trust us? We didn't have a track record, all we had was a promise. As the peak of the season approached, the entire Bristol Bay fleet went on strike against the established shore-based buyers. The dock price for sockeye was rock bottom, and the fishery was paralyzed with mistrust. Here we were, with a brand new processor, and not a salmon in the hold, just a boatload of debt and a ton of pressure to succeed. My dad called all the fleet captains and his 13-year-old son into the galley and reminded everyone how much we had riding on that season. If our fishermen caved to the pressure and joined the strike on the beach, the entire sockeye run would swim up the river and everyone would lose. His plan was simple, but it wasn't easy. He said, you have to trust me to pay you a fair price at the end of the season. Our small fleet summoned the courage, crossed the picket line, and went fishing. Facing the risk and seizing the opportunity paid off for everyone. And I learned firsthand about the value of partnership, commitment, and trust. Building a successful business requires capacity to dream, the talent to innovate, and the guts to work hard and to earn the trust of your partners. That's what made the Billiken a success. And that's what established our beachhead on the remote Aleutian Island of Akutan. The Billiken was an embodiment of my dad's vision to catch and process king crab at sea. He was the first guy to do that, and it took a huge leap of faith and a lot of courage to make the Billiken a success. Hell, the Alaska legislator even tried to outlaw the boat. Read on and you'll learn more about how he turned that threat and others around. Then came Akatan, who, at 38 years old, decides to blow out the side of the mountain in the Aleutians, push it into the bay, and build the world's largest fish plant with absolutely no support. The challenges were many. Triton had to build its own buildings, generate its own power, filter its own water, treat its own sewage, house and feed its people, fight its own fires, build its own church, and develop a manufacturing process to the point where it could run three million pounds of pollock a day. And once the fish were in the freezer, Triton had to find someone to buy them. Well, my dad had pulled that off too, relying on his blessings once again. The determination, hard work, and creativity of some truly remarkable people. Not every dream was a big dream. Not every risk was a big risk. But my dad took a risk on me more than once. This photo is pretty special to me. It was taken during the Bountiful's first season in Bristol Bay. The next year, when the bay wound down, he took the boat to the Diomede Islands, prospecting for crab, and he took me with him. I was a rambunctious kid, and he was doing my mom a favor. Look, she said, I need some help with this kid. He's wound kind of tight. And if you're going to keep fishing, you're going to have to take him for the summer. That's how I ended up on board. With all my buddies were chasing snakes and girls, working newspaper routes, and getting their first cars, I was up in Alaska. That was in August of 1980, and there was a fishery for king crab near St. Matthew's Island. 
my dad decided to do some exploration in the Dimede Islands, where you literally could see Russia from the rooftops. He just made up his mind that he was going to do it, and away we went. As it turned out, we didn't catch much crab, so we didn't make any money, but I got a chance to work on the processing line when we were still doing crab meat blocks. Vic Scheibert was aboard, and I was working down a lower process deck. Stamping day codes on boxes was my first job, and I hated it. No kid wants to stand there putting codes on a box. I wanted to do the manly jobs, but that's where I started. Eventually, they let me pack crab meat, and I still remember how we packed it. You lay down a layer of Maris meat, then you lay the knuckles so the red meat would be facing out, then you took the body meat in the middle and added another layer of Maris meat. My first real job on the line was a knuckle blower, and I blew knuckles, which meant putting the knuckle from the crab legs up to the nipple and using water pressure to blow the meat out. Later, I rolled legs, feeding them to washing machine rollers to squeeze the leg meat out. I never worked on deck or butchered live crab. I was too young for that kind of exposure, I guess. But I wasn't too young to learn who the kid was. The kid was me, and everyone helped make sure I wasn't just the boss's kid. Vic Scheibert did his part. I want you to get down there and clean that bilge, he said one day. I'm not going to do that, I said. I'm going to go tell my dad. Okay, Vic said, raising an eyebrow. Let's go do it right now. Let's go tell him. After that, it was quite a while before I was comfortable telling my dad anything. Mostly, I just listened. And what great stories he had to tell. <laughs>